Alrighty, Assalamu alaikum. How are you doing, Farah? I'm good. I'm tired. How are you? Life is easy. What are you so tired about? <laughs> right? Cool. We have Orwa here and Yosra. Welcome, Yosra. Hi, Assalam. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum. It sounds like Farah's not the only person who's tired today. <laughs> Have you seen the weather? It's so gross. How are you not supposed to be tired? Uh, I've literally been sitting in this chair almost nonstop. So. I don't even remember what it looks uh, what it looks like outside. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think as we're waiting for other people to join us, we can jump right in. And anyone make a note of where we left off? Probably not. Nope. Blank stairs. Okay. I don't think I remember it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can share the screen. Or not. There it is. All right. Y'all see the screen? Yeah. Okay. So I'm assuming we've left off here where it says the more you look, mainly because I have I don't think I've opened this since since last class. And our topic is the gray area. And so alrighty. Welcome, Tukwa. Welcome, Ramsha. And continuing our MSA tradition, we have almost no gentlemen here. <laughs> Okay, who would like to read for us, starting from the more you look, once a volunteer, of all of you ultra-tired looking people? Um, I just had a question before you start, like, yeah. is this a class where you go over, like, uh, surahs and stuff, or is this something different? This, this is, is my first different. time. Uh, this, we're going through a book called uh, Letters to a Young Muslim. Oh, okay, got you. Okay. I mean, you're still welcome. You know. Yeah. Hey, there's Ramsha. All right. So nobody wants to volunteer to read. Uh, I can read then if oh. nobody wants to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. And then I'll interrupt you at me at random points. Oh yeah. Um, the more you look, the more you find what makes sense. You're all tapping into a great civilization, or at least a civilization that was once great and that must be great again. You believe that your parents do not understand the issues you face. They live in a different world. They are content with the mind numbing and backbreaking work they do. They're isolated and powerless in the face of technologies and economic forces. Can they even call themselves good Muslims? You're embarrassed to think it, but you cannot help it. Your parents are cowards who do not want to face the world. They are not good Muslims that you thought they were. Islam has demands and it has rights over us. We need to be good and being good means living up to the demands of Islam. What are your parents doing? Nothing. They mutter, thi they mutter things under their breath when the news comes on. They're always tired and irritable. They do not have any convincing answers to your questions. In fact, not only are they not living up to the clear and simple dictates of Islam, but they're also different, but they're 
are also dinosaurs who have no role in this life. You love them, but they are peripheral in the great battle of good against evil. There's a moment when you... Well, I, I first have to interrupt because you're like putting so much emotion in this. This has been like pretty amazing. Yeah, so, so that's good. So this, uh, I think this passage we sort of touched on last time uh, with, with the idea being that it's very easy to fall into the whole gener generation gap trap where you, where you basically see you, your parents as being totally clueless or, or, or out of it uh, or what have you. And, and so here, the, um, he's, he's also touching on this saying that, um, you know, I understand this is how you feel. Um, and it's probably that uh, he felt the same way about his father. Okay, uh, you'll start continuing. Okay. There's a moment when you're faced with a key question. If you're serious about being a good Muslim, a proper Muslim, a true Muslim, then you need to live like one. What are the models for this? Actually, the model is there in front of you. It is a model of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. You're told to emulate him in every way. This is a noble and straight forward thing. The idea of following the example of a good and noble historical figure is not strange at all. In fact, you hear about the need for role models at school, at work, and in business. Many people are trumpeted as role models, scientists, actors, singers, and scientists. Of all the role models we Muslims have, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the finest. Okay, so that paragraph is basically Sunday school, right? It's, it's Sunday school summed up into, into one paragraph. Uh, I don't know why scientists is mentioned twice. Uh, um, scientists, actors, singers, and scientists. But uh, yeah, that part I think we've already heard 300 times. Uh, but let's continue to see what else he says. Um, luckily, there is a long-standing tradition that outlines specific acts and sayings of the prophet that allow you to fit yourself in smoothly. Some of the requirements, or at least what you are told are requirements, come across as quite strong, such as the need to distance yourself from non-Muslims entirely and from Muslims who are not strictly observant. Soon, soon, though, you join with others in expressing shock that such and such a person made what seemed to be an immoral, immoral joke or that another Muslim was seen walking with a young lady who was not his relative. What could they be doing, you all wonder? and conclude that they must have been up to no good. Judgment of others comes quickly and easily. Why? Because you live a Muslim life of such high and demanding moral standards that everything around you seems, I don't know how to say that word, so. Uh, ritualistically. Ritualistically and morally incorrect. You find that you are living in a polluted world that needs radical cleansing. Okay, so uh, did this paragraph describe any of you? What do you think? Uh, number one, the concern about being friends with the non-Muslims. Have you thought about that? Has any, any of you been told or had the sentiment that that's a bad thing? What do you think? Oh, yeah, all the time. So, sorry, I'm driving right now, but my mom uh, in high school, she hated my friends uh, because they were all white. And she would always yell at me, telling me I should get brown friends, I should get Indian friends, I should get Muslim friends but she hated that I have all white friends. And she always compared me to my brother because he, he had brown friends and stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll try to discuss this in such a way that we're not slandering our folks, but okay, but the point is still made. Uh, all right, anyone else? Uh, why is there that sentiment 
that you should only have Muslim friends, whether we're talking about Adil's hypothetical mother or, or anyone else. Why? I think sometimes our parents, oh. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I think sometimes our parents are like worried that like non-Muslim friends would influence us to do things that are prohibited in Islam or things that are haram. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that could be true, but also there's like good people that are not non-Muslim and there's Muslim there's people that- Muslims? What? There's good non-Muslims? <laughs> I know, what a shock. <laughs> wow. Yeah, actually we've had students who, who literally had that experience where <clears throat> they went to a full-time Islamic school and were literally trained to believe that, okay, the kuffar are all morally corrupt and all this and that. And then literally in their first week at Loyola, they get shattered. Whoa, you guys are not all just, you know, eating babies and, and killing, killing Muslims in your spare time. And literally I've seen it like literally shatter the, the faith of students who've come here because their whole faith was built on the fact that, on the belief that, okay, Muslims are all 100% moral non-Muslims are all 100% corrupt. And, and so then some Muslims, you know, they adjusted and understood there's many good people. Some Muslims actually went down a very dark path where they decided, well, I've missed out on life. I've been, uh, uh, things have been hidden from me. And so then they start doing all kinds of inappropriate things with Muslims and non-Muslims. Sorry to interrupt you, you were saying more. Oh, that's okay. I was going to add, and then obviously there's the other side of it. There's a lot of Muslims that like you were mentioning, that do things that are haram and things that are prohibited. So um, I think it's something that's like more culturally than it is religiously. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of we're told as we're younger. Yeah. Uh, Ora, what are you going to say? She honestly covered it all. I would just say it in different words. Yeah. So yeah, there's, so there's this fundamental sentiment that we are innately upright and everyone else is innately corrupt. And and even if that was true, that's not really uh, a good approach because that is going down the path of supremacy doctrine. Because if you look at the language of white supremacists, it's not purely that we have to keep whiteness pure. It's that there's something special about us and something corrupt about everybody else. And, and so that's part of the, the problem with that outlook. And, and so what is he saying here? that a lot of times it's very easy to fall into this trap of judgment of others. And when you're judging others, you're imagining yourself to be really wonderful and clean and upright and all that. Okay, cool. Uh, Yosra, you want to continue reading? There is a sense of peace. Yeah, there's a sense of peace and balance you feel as you join the communal prayer at dawn or after work and mostly on Fridays. When you pray our obligatory communal prayer of the week, you feel the dread as the sermon is over and the Short prayer approaches its end. We all know the mosque to be a place of warmth and community. Where we are far away from traditional Islamic societies, we feel a brotherhood, a sense of recognition when we gather in a mosque. The mosque in faraway places is a gathering, a refuge, a place to sit with your community and Allah. The best moments are the Friday sermon and the communal prayer. This is the time when the mosque is most full and most welcoming. As soon as these moments pass, you know that you will be out in the cold or in dark streets, feeling a little lost and a little lonely. There is the emptiness as a new week builds up to the next Friday prayer. You're able to control yourself with listening to the captivating recitations of the Holy Quran that are freely available online. 
What is special about the rest oh, actually, of the let, let me interrupt you again. Okay. Uh, Jenny, you feel this way about uh, the time between Jemma and Jemma? I totally used to when I was an undergrad. Like, I couldn't wait for the next Jemma. And part yeah, of it, of course, was... Go ahead, whoever speaking. I just meant, like, the Friday to Friday, meaning, like, the warmth that, like, the Jemma brings, or, like, more to it? I mean, more just the excitement of reaching Jemma. And then, and then, like the Jummah prayer, and I gotta admit, part of it was the excitement because that also meant the, the weekend was beginning. But part of it was just, okay, what's the chutzpah gonna be about today? I used to get totally excited about that, and 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 I don't know how how you all feel in terms of undergrad life uh, about Jummah, whether it's a chore or something. Do you get excited about the Friday Bayan, the MSA Friday Bayan? Does anybody get excited? I know Irwa does because that's like the highlight of her week. Um. I miss those Juma jokes, which are really not jokes, but just make uh, me sad. She doesn't actually miss Juma, she misses the Juma jokes. No, yeah. I miss everything. I just like miss being on campus and like seeing everyone. Mm -hmm. I miss Juma in the Masala. Like, the, like every time Juma was in the Masala, I would always be there. Like I just loved it more in the Masala than really? like, Why? in that PR. Because it just, you know, it had, like, the rugs and, like, the ambiance and whatever. I know it's, like, so, like, aesthetic no, of me. But, like, that's actually you know, very, very interesting. It just gives you more of, like, the, like, going to a mosque vibe. Huh. We all think, like, you know, inshallah, whenever it is, we come back to campus, which may not be for six months. But uh, do you think we should just keep Juma inside the masala? Any thoughts? Um, I don't think you would socially distance everyone in the masala. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that, yeah, we won't even be able to do it until social distancing comes to an end. You yeah. know, not including the normal Muslim social distancing. But, um, okay, that's interesting. I mean, is part of the fun the fact that it's always, like, jam-packed as well? You know, I don't know. I feel like you're, you're just more, like, like engaged, more focused in it. Yeah. Interesting. Any other, anybody else have similar feelings? I mean, you, you new students, like Hina and such, you're probably wondering what we're talking about. We have this, the musalla, which is like this dark room, you know, <laughs> with these very rich colors. They're like the carpet's literally like Loyola colors. And we have this wudu space. And the, there's a men's wudu space and the women's wudu space. And the women's wudu space might be one of the nastiest rooms in all of humanity. Just saying. <laughs> That's one place where the men's space is usually cleaner. But one of the only spaces on earth, you know. <laughs> he was like, I'm not going to be part of this meeting anymore. She's left. So, but, uh, uh, yeah, so, here, so the point, I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, I'm saying I was here. My mom came in, that's why. She's mm. <laughs> who you're talking to. So, so, but yeah, so the, the point here is, is, and in fact, this is very much related to what Ur was saying. Uh, think of what type of specialness you associate with the masjid. Uh, do any of you feel this way about your local masjid? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I think because um, I have a connection to it because that was my old Islamic school, my old school. But then also, like, what you said, I'm really, I, like, always look forward to Jummah, especially now you recently started going. So that's why I can't see, like, listening to the Loyola one because I'm at the local masjid one. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. We will have to pull you away from that. Which one's your, your local, local market again? Is it uh, MEC? Yeah, it's MEC. Okay. 
I actually yeah. like MEC. MEC has a special feel when, when you walk inside the Masala there. Mm -hmm. For yeah. sure. Totally. Okay, cool. Uh, let us continue. You sure you want to continue reading or you want someone else to? I mean, does it, who else wants to read? I want to hear other voices. Someone else want to read? <laughs> don't, pick me. don't pick me, please. <laughs> yeah, I prefer that you do not read. <laughs> who, would who else would like to read? Someone volunteer. I guess I'll take what? Okay, uh, Adela should focus on driving. Who's going to volunteer to read? Seriously, seriously. I, I can go. Okay. Okay. okay um, can you point towards where we are? Uh, what is special? Okay. What is special about the recitation of the Quran? The angel Gabriel revealed that Quran to the prophet Muhammad by reciting the verses to him and having him learn them by heart. Though you know the Quran as the beautiful leather bound book with wonderful calligraphy, the Quran is actually meant to be recited or read out, read out loud. There are rules on how to read it out loud. The way it is recited today is the same way in which the prophet recited it more than 1400 years ago. In fact, today reciters can trace their knowledge back through their teachers along a chain of people right back to the prophet. So what you hear today is the way it has been preserved for hundreds of years. The recitation vary in quality depending on the age and the voice of the reciter. It's like being a musician. One reciter may have the technical mastery, but lacks in passion or emotional depth. You have your favorites. My favorite is the recitation of al Saudis, the Imam of these, the Imam of holy mocks in in Mecca. You can listen to him for hours and feel the emotion of his love for Allah and his message. Some of his recitations are recording of him during Ramadan evening prayers. Here he sometimes breaks down in tears due to the emotion of the recitations. Other cry with him. Okay. Uh, who are your favorite? You don't have to have an answer, but who are your favorite reciters? Anybody? Uh, Mashadi for me. Yeah, so pretty much for your whole generation, it's Mashadi, Rashid, Alefasi. Yeah. Takwa agrees. Hina agrees. Burwa, you got a favorite reciter? Or was like, I just appreciate the book of Allah. Allah Mia. Okay. I, got I one. think I think Ahmed Go Al Mufais is also good. Who? Ahmed Al Mufais. I don't oh, know nice. if he's not that popular yet. But yeah, Mishari is like the one that like every like every app plays or anything. Mm -hmm. Like it's like the default one all the time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm detecting some dislike for this. You know, that's the one on every app. Uh, Adil, you were saying something? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if I know his name right, but it's like Ismail Al-Nuri, something like that. Uh, he did Surah Taha, and that's... Um, I'll put it in the group chat after this, but it's such a beautiful... That Surah alone got me through some, sh uh, through some hard times. So through some Shia hard times? <laughs> no, no, just some hard times. I was going to say something not appropriate, but... Uh, but yeah, that it has a special sentiment in my heart, and that whoever whoever recited that, 
uh, brought me out of some darkness. So, nice. you know, he's my guy. Nice. Nice, mashallah. Yosra Ramashad Daniak, you want to share any of your favorite reciters? If you have any, you don't have to officially have any. Um, I'm pretty open-minded. I like to listen to everybody. I don't really like hold anything against anyone. It's sort of like, I'm not a connoisseur of the <laughs> Quranic recitation arts. I appreciate everyone. Yeah. Uh, for, for my age group, it's uh, Muhammad Jibril, another Egyptian. It's always the Egyptians all the time. And then, yeah, right. And then in uh, another Egyptian, uh, Huzaifi is someone I like quite a bit. Uh, uh, al is a duh, duh, duh. I mean, he has the, like the whole big voice and everything. But uh, Muhammad Jibril and uh, Huzaifi have a very, very simple recitation that appeals to me quite a bit. Okay. Uh, explore that over the course of your years, which, rec which reciters, you know, really, really appeal to you. And so there'll be some that will be more appealing to your ears than others. Uh, Takwa, you're going to say something? I was just going to say, um, the reciter that is like always playing in my house is like the Abdul Basit. Mm. He's like very, he has a very powerful voice. Mm -hmm. It's like a little slow for my liking, but my parents love his voice. Mm -hmm. It is said of Ari Abdul Basit Abdul Samad that 500 people became Muslim just listening to his recitation. And to really make the point, uh, I used to teach a class at school called Intro to the Quran. And one particular semester, uh, I played a couple of his recitations and a whole bunch of the non-Muslim students were crying in class. So, so. Can I get the link to that dude or that, that person? Sorry. Can I get the link to that shit? Yeah, we, we, can, we can find the link for you, inshallah. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, uh, Ramsha, why don't you continue reading, please? Um, okay. The recitations charge you up. They tap into a great river of emotion and energy. You're exhausted after listening. I am too. Sometimes I think that I should limit myself to listening for only an hour a week or an hour a day. Why? Because perhaps the intensity is too much. It jars with the outside world. Often I cannot manage the balance. The move from the beauty of the spiritual world to the ugliness of the outer, outer world depresses me. You may feel the same way. As you know, there's a beautiful story of Yusuf or Joseph whose brothers were jealous of him and threw him down a well to his fate. It is a favorite chapter of the Quran because, the, because of the vividness of the story. We hear how he is rescued into slavery and how the women of um, how um, the women how, of the pharaoh's court, yeah. How the women of the pharaoh's court cut their hands because they were distracted by Yusuf's beauty. We feel the injustice committed against Yusuf, and we love the way life turns around for him. He becomes advisor to to the pharaoh and is united with his father. Okay. There are oh, yeah so. Uh, does anyone, whether it's content or recitation, does anyone have some favorite surahs? Anything? I already said this, but Surah Taha, Ismail al Nuri. Yeah. <laughs> anyone else? I really like. Go ahead. I'll do this. Um, Surah Rahman. Surah Rahman is officially the favorite surah of every single 
Daisy, auntie, and uncle. Really? <laughs> yeah. As, uh, all the Daisies in this room, go ask your parents, uh, what is your favorite surah? And they will all say surah Rahman. So. I guess I'm a Daisy and auntie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good, you're moving up in the world, mashallah. Uh, Takwa, you had a, uh, you said you had a favorite surah. Yeah, I'd say my favorite surah is Surah Al-Kaf, but I think the surah that I like hearing recited is Surah Al-Hadid. Mm, interesting. And by the way, the word is recited, not recitated. The recitated is something you do to someone's heart after it. <laughs> but yeah, but maybe that's what we are talking about. Yeah. Uh, Hina or Orwa, or Yusra or Ramsha or Danya, any any favorite surahs? Yeah. Um, Luqman for me. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, what'd Wait, you say, Yusra? Or what'd you say, Ura? I mean, I'm um, Sora Luqman Your for me. Your time is over. Oh. Nice. Your time is over. Your time is over. Go. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> oh, oh, what? Okay, mine is Ahmed on the face, too. There's like this one, like, YouTube video. It's called Eye of Tranquility. I don't know what part of it it is exactly but it's pretty good i listen to it when i study i have tranquility interesting i just listened to that I know what you're talking about yeah it's pretty good sorry to <laughs> i will like, send you the link to that in the group chat as well oh. i just listened to it it's pretty good yeah but but also i was gonna say um some like um there's like some of the Hufad from my like class that I graduated with, they have pretty nice voices too. Like after the Rawi, they like usually like practice and like they're pretty good. I think they're underrated. Mm. Are you talking about like actual MEC students? Yeah, my old classmates. They're actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. Who was your teacher there? Was it uh, Hafiz Ikhlas, or who did you do? On, who did you do your? Yeah, Ikhlas was the um, Hafid um, teacher. But yeah, and then Mubin Kamani oh, yeah. was was like an Islamic studies teacher, so he like taught everyone. But yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, Malana Mubin yeah. is awesome. Yeah, half of the class and I back about ten years ago, we used to work together. Oh yeah, so during COVID, he's been he's been doing the um, salah leading Jamaat every week. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, on that note, or actually. Uh, Rumsha and Yosar, did you want to share any of your uh, favorite surahs? You don't have to officially have one. Um, mine is really short, but I like uh, Alam Nashra because um, when I like didn't, I feel like because it promises ease twice, I think like that kind of makes me feel better sometimes when like hard times come up like so yeah. I think that's why and it's like like the translations are really easy to understand for that one and it's so mm -hmm. short but the meaning is so deep so I like it that was the uh, that surah and surah al duha were the surahs that I played in that one particular class where where all these non-muslims were crying so I mean non-muslims are crying yeah I was mentioning that uh, I uh, I mean yeah non-muslims cry too in general but um oh no I know that <laughs> no I'm saying that uh, 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 in this class at Loyola that I taught a long time ago, literally probably around 2010, uh, uh, I played Qari Abdul Basit's recitation of Surat Al-Duha and mm -hmm. Surat uh, Al-Inshira, Alam Nashrah Laka Sadrak, and there are a whole bunch of students in the class crying. So, in terms mm -hmm. of local people, <clears throat> the most popular person is probably Sheikh Fassel. I don't know if, you've, if you're familiar with him. He's, he's African. He... He uh, is the Imam at Masjid Darul Quran, 
in the city. He's he's uh, very popular. My favorite is the Imam at the Wheaton Masjid, uh, uh, Ibrahim Dardasawi. He's Palestinian. I love his recitation. It's uh, it's really really wonderful. Okay, we're already at five thirty-three. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ramsha, why don't you read one more passage, and then we'll call it a day, inshallah. Um, can you point towards where we are? Uh, I think we're at the rhetorical effect. The rhetorical effect, as well as the rhythmic pace, creates a sense of peace and awe. You become acutely aware of the dissonance between what you have just experienced, the word of Allah unchanged and uncorrupted for over 1400 years, and what surrounds you, rubbish in the streets, solemn looks of strangers, late, nice rowdiness, meaningless conversations about sports, the housing market, and the corrupt politicians. The Quran provides a stable reference point in a world of change, of turmoil, and of turbulence. We know how regularly generation after generation of Muslims have made sure that not one word or vowel has been changed in the text. The text has remained unchanged and perfectly preserved for hundreds of years. It is a stable point in the universe that we as Muslims can hold on to. This gives us as Muslims a sense of solidity and of certainty. Okay, very good. And so this is continuing the point, and the idea being, think of the Quran as a point of stability for you in this world, especially where there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of change. And really try to try to think about that philosophically, that, all right, okay, <clears throat> all this stuff is going on. I don't know what the future holds, but think of the Quran as one of your points of stability to hold on to. Uh, on that note, I actually have to run. I've got to go help my mother with something. So we will continue, inshallah, next week. Tomorrow at 7 o'clock, we'll have open conversation, assuming we're not having technical difficulties at my end. And then uh, I haven't decided what time chaplain games will be on, on Friday, inshallah. All right, cool. Very good, inshallah. And so we'll see you all next week, if not earlier. Okay. All right. As-salamu alaykum. As-salamu alaykum.